Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. I'd like to teach the world to smoke their pipes in harmony. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from an exceptionally smoke-filled recording studio built here at my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Why, you ask, it's exceptionally smoke-filled? Well, two reasons. One, I'll tell you right now, the other in just a minute. The first one, the weather outside is beautiful. Spring is upon us. No air conditioner running, no heater running in here. It's beautiful weather, so the smoke is billowing up. The second one, hang on in a minute. In tonight's show, though, in pipe parts, I'm going to start what I think is going to be two or three parts because I got an email from a listener named George back in December, and he asks basically what makes a good pipe a good pipe. So we're going to start tackling that. Then my guest, Chuck Levy of Yvonne Reese and Company, the 150-plus-year-old Chicago tobacconist. He'll be my guest coming up in music, going back to the blues, mailbag, and a rant, all that coming up at the end of the show. You won't want to miss it. In the meantime, the other reason I'm smoked up is because this morning the Food and Drug Administration of the United States government has announced their tobacco deeming regulations. This is how they want to plan on overseeing pipe tobacco and cigars and e-cigarettes. Now, don't start building a bunker yet and starting to buy, stock it with powdered milk and tobacco. It's not all that bad from what I've seen, but I am going to hold off on commenting on it until next week's show after I've had a chance to talk to some of the smartest people in the industry and we figure out exactly what's in there and exactly how we go about approaching this because there is a 75-day public comment period that has just started. So that will be next week's show. Also on next week's show... One for sure big announcement breaking news event that is coming up. That will be on next week's show. I'm working on a second one. And remember, next week's show will be 100% pre-recorded because I will be in Chicago where we couldn't find a place to broadcast from this year. But I'll be there. Stop by and see me Friday night, 10 p.m. in the smoking tent for the Pipes Magazine Forum. All right, everybody. Grab your pipe. Sit back. Relax. Fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Here we go. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at one 888 366 0345 
That's 1-888-366-0345 or check us out online at smokingpipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including Calabash, Claws, Dragons, Horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back. All right, so let's jump right into this. Here's what George wrote. I thoroughly enjoy your show. I have an area I'd like to see you address on future programs. In general, my question is, what makes a pipe a good smoker? On the one hand, it is a simple question, but it's also complex. Some of the issues I'd be most interested in hearing about are, what are the key elements in making a good smoking pipe? What sort of things do pipe makers have to take into account with regard to different shapes, bowl sizes, stem configurations, etc.? And George lists about four or five things down here. And George is right. This is a relatively simple question that is extremely complicated for somebody to answer. Here's the basic answer. What makes a pipe a good smoker? Do you enjoy it? If you enjoy it, it makes it a good smoker. What I thought was would be interesting is to go through some of the things that I've heard in past episodes of the show, some of the things I've heard from other pipe smokers, and some of my own personal preference in answering some of these questions. The question that I like that he asks further down is, why do, why do some pipes smoke well for some users and not for others. Let me spend some time on that. That one thing alone right there does not mean that if a... That that thing right there means that if a pipe doesn't smoke well for you, it's not a bad pipe. It's just not a pipe that works for you. Here's an example. I have a friend of mine who is highly particular on the thickness of the stem. He needs and wants a very delicate, very thin stem and needs a pipe that is no more than 40 to 42 grams in weight. The reason is, is because of comfortability for him. For me personally, as I've talked about in the past, I have a bit of an overbite. So when I clench a pipe, I put it towards the back of my mouth. So I need that width of a fish-tailed stem to be able to get into the back. I like the flat saddle bits so that they can get into the get into the side of my mouth and I can hold the pipe in the side of my mouth. If you ever see pipe maker Levon Eric, when he's smoking his pipe, his pipe is hanging straight down from the front of his mouth and it just looks like it's a natural extension of him. Uh, when we were talking to Rick Newcomb, Rick Newcomb likes a very narrowed down stem or a stem that doesn't taper or flare out, because he likes it to come straight into him. Uh, If you remember back in the discussion with Mark Irwin, Mark really likes the feel of the Peterson P-Lip. It works for him the way he's able to hook it in his mouth. 
So why do some pipes smoke well for some users and not for others? There's a couple other factors. Besides comfortability, there's the design in the shape. Does the shape, is the shape comfortable? Is the pipe too heavy for you? Is it too light for you? Some pipe smokers don't really like a light pipe. Um, how has the air hole and the tobacco chamber been designed? If you look at some tobacco chambers, you'll see where they come straight down and then they round out in the bottom of the bowl. And ideally, the pipe maker hits the draft hole right at the bottom of it. Other pipe makers, and Sheraton was somewhat famous for this, would V the bowl down. So the bowl would get narrower towards the bottom and they'd hit that draft hole. A V'd tobacco chamber does not work for me. I find that the, my pipe tobacco gets more and more bitter as you get down there. You're getting less and less tobacco to burn and that tobacco already at the bottom has already filtered all that smoke up above it. So the tobacco gets bitter faster, which is why I like a nice flat or rounded bottom of a bowl. Um, the air hole and the uh, the draft hole and the tolerances designed in there are important to me because I like a thin, I like a, a smooth, even airflow all the way through the stem, so that as I'm puffing, it's almost subconsciously that I'm sitting and puffing and just pulling the smoke into my mouth. Uh, when you talk to somebody like Rick Newcomb, who's got the large draft hole, he likes it that large draft hole because it makes it very easy for him to get a very light draw with a lot of smoke through it. I do know some pipe smokers that want a narrowed down draw because they don't want to get too much smoke. So that all becomes personal preference and finding out what works for you. Uh, the other thing that affects it is packing your pipe. Uh, I remember back when I had a pipe that had a four and a half millimeter draft hole in it and I had to make sure that I packed the bottom of that bowl very tight or the you know just the very bottom of the bowl I had to pack it tight so that I wasn't sucking tobacco up through the draft hole. Same thing occurs when I deal with some of my pipes that may not have the most perfect draft hole. I've got one right now that's a real small one that the draft hole comes in out of the side of the bowl so I'm not able to get the entire bottom of the bowl but it's a small bent and I understand what happened with it so you've got to start to learn how to tailor it uh, why do some pipes smoke well for some users and not for others it's because of the way the pipe was made versus the way the pipe smoker smokes that pipe or the style of that pipe smoker in combination with the type of tobacco in a couple of weeks, we'll come back. I'll answer a couple more of these. And if you've got any suggestions, any comments, please post them on the radio show page. Email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you've got something that you something that you found that's a little different than that, I'd love to share it on the radio. This is not anything that's going to be right or wrong answers. It's all going to be our opinions as uh, fellow pipe smokers. All right, in just a minute, Chuck Levy will be on the phone with me. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. 
It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliffTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. Hi, this is Matt Gus from the Seattle Pipe Club, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Welcome back, and joining me on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show is owner-operator of Ewan Reese & Company, former president of the RTDA, Doctor of Pipes recipient, and I don't know what what other thing to say except uh, you've been a friend of mine for a long time, and for some reason you still answer the phone when I call, but... Please welcome Chuck Levy to the show. Shows I have no taste. <laughs> Either that or your wife likes me, one or the other. I do have one thing to add, though. I was also president of the TAA. So you've been involved in not only in running your own business, but heavily involved in the trade associations that have shaped all the laws and hopefully helped the uh, tobacconists throughout the country. We hope so. Now, which generation of family ownership are you? Four. You're number four, so your son Kevin, who runs the retail side and the cigar side of it, is number five. You're good. I I did that math. Yeah. <laughs> All by myself. Great. Uh, give us the history of the store. When did it open? What was the name of it? I know it went through some changes here and there, but... Yeah, okay. It went through one change. The original name of the company was E. Hoffman. It opened in 1857 in, uh, Chicago. Uh, survived the Chicago fire and a variety of other things. At one point, uh, they did have their own cigar and tobacco factory in a different location, they made a cigar that was distributed uh, pretty nationally. And in about uh, my, my great-great-uncle, who was Mr. Hoffman, had no family. Uh, so he brought my grandfather over from Germany to help him run the business because with the wholesale and the manufacturing and retail, it was too much for him. And in 1898, he sold the cigar company. And the people he sold it to by the name of Hilson insisted they change the name of the retail store so there wouldn't be any confusion. So at that point, they changed the name of the retail store to my grandfather's name, Yvonne Reese. And it is pronounced like it's I-V-A-N, so Yvonne Reese. That is correct. And the website is I-W-A-N-R-I-E-S dot com. Uh, when did, so the, so the store changed its name and the, the store went its separate path. 
where did it go from there? Well, it, uh, we moved. It just became, uh, we were in the retail business. We went in the mail. We also had a, uh, a standalone wholesale company um, that was one of the few wholesale companies in the country, distributor, that was strictly hard goods. In other words, no tobacco or cigars. Strictly pipes, lighters, pouches, all that stuff. That started in the um, late 20s. Um, and that's uh, what happened. Uh, my father uh, married the boss's daughter. <laughs> and uh, that's shortly after that, they started the wholesale company where they distributed uh, pipes, as I said, and etc. Uh, they were the main distributors to a lot of department stores, including Marshall Fields, Sears Roebuck, Montgomery Ward, and a bunch of other ones. Um, that business ended in, well, he, my father sold out to his partners. Um, he took in some partners and sold out to them in uh, approximately 1958 or thereabouts. So, that, and, so that's when it became retail only. Correct. Retail and mail order. Mm-hmm. That's about the same time we started producing a catalog. And how long have you been at 19 South Wabash? Uh, 1960, 1968. Yeah, that's a long time. Wow. <laughs> I was a year old. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. And when you first moved there, you were on the first floor, correct? Correct. And then when did you make the move to the second floor? Uh, um, about in the uh, middle 80s, about um, 85, 86, somewhere in there. What was the reason for the move to the second floor? Any, anybody that's been in this industry for any length of time knows that the mid-80s was probably the lowest point of the entire tobacco industry from uh, every angle you could think of, uh, manufacturing, retail, distributors. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was a report that was done that I saw a few years ago, actually from uh, Theo Folds at Altaris, that I believe 1985 was the very, very bottom of the cigar industry. And uh, we owned the building, and it didn't make any sense when uh, business was not that good anywhere uh, to stay downstairs. It was much more prudent to rent out the space on the first floor, which is obviously more valuable, and move upstairs. And your customers were obviously dedicated enough that they'd come up a flight of stairs to see you, and you'd get prime rent from the guys downstairs. Thank God. <laughs> Do you remember when, when you when you look back in the in the sales records and like the between the nineteen twenties and thirties and then post World War Two what the more popular style of pipes were or brands of pipes were? Well, the brands were were a lot easier than the styles. The styles were uh, basically the one the only difference between today and then as far as styles. Today uh, you're selling a lot more bents then you were selling a lot more streets. But obviously you had brands uh, like Dunhill and 
Sheraton and uh, Kamoy and GBD were all very big brands. Barling and uh, the list goes on. Uh, unfortunately, most of those companies uh, aren't what they are today. Right. Uh, but there, there were. Uh, I mean, even if you go back then, even Kwoody and Medico were major factors in the industry. And at the same time, you also had a house brand of pipe that you'd stamp either Yvonne Reese and Company or IRC. Correct. Uh, you're the first person that I can actually ask to explain how that process goes. So how do you how do you start a house brand or a private label like that? Well, number one, you find a very good manufacturer who has excess production and is very willing to do that and knows how to make pipes in uh, correct styles and shapes that we can work with, and you uh, have to uh, purchase uh, large quantities of each shape because obviously if, again, knowing anything about the how a pipe is made, uh, you don't make ten pipes of one shape right. <laughs> uh, at, at a time. Uh, you make dozens and dozens. Otherwise, it doesn't pay. Um, and then you have them put your name on them, different finishes and different grades. And the ability, the thing is the ability to be able to buy in the quantities that you need to to get exclusive finishes, perhaps, in some cases, even exclusive shapes. So you may have to buy a couple gross or up into the thousands at a time to secure that deal, and then you'd get all the pipes, and then you'd have to sit on them and sell them slowly off through the year. Correct. And these pipes could have come from the... In the in the forties and fifties and sixties, they could have come straight out of the Kamoy's factory or whoever you decided to work with. And yeah, it, it actually uh, started more in the late fifties, early sixties than than before. And then I know you transitioned over into buying some pipes from Italy too. Correct. There are some good manufacturers everywhere. Actually, most of our own pipes. Uh, came from France, uh, some from England, and um, some out of, out of different factories, but uh, the majority of them came out of France. Are you still able to get a good source of private label pipes today? Unfortunately, no. Let's talk about what you what Elon Reese Company did do that I think is really you were really the first ones to bring in some of the great Danish handmade pipes and some of your catalogs from the early sixties are just incredible reads to skim back through. Uh, how, who got started with noticing these Danish pipes and putting them in well, your my catalog? Father, my, my father, who was, uh, uh, very much, uh, in, say in today's terms, a pipe nut, um, went to Europe, and he was one of the first people in our industry, actually, to go to Europe. He not intent, not necessarily intending to buy anything, but more for an education to learn what was going on in that part of the world. And um, actually, if you go back to the late 50s 
etc. Um, that that Denmark could have been five thousand, you know, million miles away from here. Yeah. Um, it was a totally different ball game, and he went to learn about what was going on in Europe and uh, was introduced to some of these people like the Nielsens and Bo Nord and, of course, Everson and a few of the other ones who had basically local distribution only and were very happy. I mean, these guys and Brandt, uh, a lot of these people basically made 50, 60, 80 pipes a year. And the way we were able to secure them, and shortly after that other people tried, is that my father made a deal with them that whatever they made that they did not want to sell locally, we would take. We would not be fussy, uh, whether it was two pieces or 40 pieces, whatever whatever they made, we, we would buy. We would not nitpick which, and make their life miserable. We took what they made. So they were very happy to do business with us. And in the early 60s, do you remember some of the retail pricing on some of these great handmade pipes? Yeah, you know, $500 is a uh, was a tremendous amount of money. And when my father first bought pipes and we put them in our catalog and we sold them for uh, uh, anywhere from $500 to $1,500, uh, I thought he had lost his mind. But um, <laughs> but obviously it worked, and the the, the workmanship and the briar and uh, we every year we sold out. I mean there was there was no question they were gone. I, mean, we're I wish talk- we had them back. We could now sell them for a lot more. We're talking about a time when a brand new Chevrolet or Pontiac or Ford was the same price as these pipes. Basically, yes. So you- which is amazing. Yeah, so now imagine paying a price of twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars for a brand new pipe in in equivalent U.S. dollars. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. Not quite, but not quite. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about a whole bunch of pipe tobacco. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. 
Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with Chuck Levy. And you know, Chuck, the reason I wanted to have you on now is it's a week before we all leave for the Chicago Pipe Show. And I highly recommend that anybody that is coming to Chicago, if you get in on Thursday or Friday, take the drive to downtown Chicago inside the loop you get the feel of chicago and right there is the oldest family-owned tobacconist in the united states correct and you've got a brand new cigar lounge and a whole bunch of stuff but we don't care about that let's talk about the uh about your pipe tobaccos first of all i don't know this i don't know the answer to this but what came first the uh the three star or china black or the Spillman mixture? Actually, the first tobacco was Spillman, uh, which uh, was made um, in the factory in uh, the 1800s. I have come across ads for that tobacco that date back, the oldest ad I could find dated back to about 1910. Um, And that was distributed uh, very widely, actually, uh, the strange thing, or I shouldn't say that strange, but uh, we had a lot of ads. We ran a lot of ads on that tobacco. They ran a lot of ads. I wasn't here then, uh, just to set the record straight. Not yet. That, uh, not yet. That um, they ran most of their advertising was geared to college newspapers. Wow. Uh, for tobacco as well as for pipes, they did. Uh, the company did a tremendous amount of advertising all over the country, predominantly in, in in college magazines and in college papers. That's when everybody on campus smoked a pipe. Describe Spillman mixture for us. Uh, well, we've never. Yeah, the Spillman mixture is a medium to full body tobacco, uh, non aromatic. Uh, Latakia, Perique, some Virginias. We we don't we've never believed in getting into exactly what's in a tobacco of our own. Uh, we there's two kinds of tobaccos: those you like and those you don't like. <laughs> and to talk about that this has Virginia and Burley and stuff uh, doesn't mean as much because there are what Brian what, what are there 75 different kinds of Virginia and probably a hundred different kinds of burleys and um, depends upon the quantities of each and where they come from. Not all, not all burleys are grown equally or etc. So we try to stay away from that and try to pair tobacco to the individual taste. And when did the distinguished gentleman come along? The Singlish Gentleman uh, came along. Actually, uh, Spillman was off the market for years and years and years. Uh, I happened to um, find a can. I had forgotten about it for the most part. And one day I'm looking through eBay and I found a can of uh, Spillman tobacco and uh, brought it back and had the factory redesign the, uh, the label, I shouldn't say redesign design the label exactly, duplicate the label 100%, which they did a great job on, except for one part. 
on the label it said most distinguished physicians smoke Spillman tobacco. Uh, they would not put that on the label. I'm not quite sure why, but I guess they didn't want a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> but outside of that, the label's the same. Distinguished gentleman just came along. That's only about six years ago. And is it safe to say that both of these blends are blended as close to the style of what they originally were? That's almost impossible. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd i be lying if I told you they were, because I don't know. We completely, we worked on each one of these blends um, for approximately a year and a half to two years to get the blend the way that we liked it. And if it, you ask if the Spillman tobacco was anything like the original, I I, I wouldn't even guess. It's got the it's got the same name and it's probably pretty close in style. It's it, it's close in style, but as yeah. far as because it was it, it's a natural tobacco, etc. But as far as total ingredients, I'm sure it's not the same. And then the one that I'm more familiar with is the Three Star brand. Yes, uh, Three Star Blue uh, was introduced again by my. Uh, father and grandfather in the uh, late 30s. When, as I mentioned, my grandfather came over from Germany, and he brought with him a solid brass washing machine. Why, I have no idea. (laughs) But uh, my first job here was mixing three-star tobacco in the washing machine. The washing machine was what we used to mix to blend the tobacco. Well, that makes perfect sense. So you, you got a great tumbler. Right, exactly. Uh, that, that's, I mean, why he brought it with him, I have no idea. But it made great tobacco because it mixed it very evenly. Um, and obviously we had certain time limits and everything else on it. And it was easy to use with you know, a little bit of flavoring in it because it was all Correct. used to moisture. And then the, uh, the three-star line expanded and you've got all kinds of styles in it and variations of it Um, at one point it was also nationally distributed it yes it was our our main customer at that time was walgreens it still is somewhat distributed but nowhere near like it was but you can still find it in different places and then the last one that i know of that's Really, just a, an Ewan Reese exclusive is China Black. Uh, that actually is um, sort of our answer to a lot of the mass market tobaccos um, at a little lower price. It's uh, it's a good tobacco. It's uh, it's a good everyday smoke. Uh, to compare with the stuff that, uh, with the products that are on your drugstore shelves, etc., it's a little, it's a step down from the three star. And if somebody were to come into your store right now, is are they able to sample or at least smell all these hundreds of different blends that you have? Well, not hundreds, but probably fifty. Yes. Uh, and I know for a fact that if somebody walks into the store, there is a ton of pipes on display there, as well as a, an impressive uh, selection of other tin tobaccos and bulk tobaccos and 
proprietary house blends. Yes, we probably have more pipes on display uh, to say nothing of what we have in, in the drawers that are self-service, etc., for our customers. Uh, we probably have more pipes on display than um, 95% of the stores carry. And, again, we do it. Everything is aimed at the customer. We, As far as pipe tin tobacco is concerned, uh, we definitely have the largest selection certainly in the Midwest, and one of the largest selections in the country. Uh, I think when we took inventory, we ended up with something like uh, 850 SKUs. 850 different. Yeah, so you're bound to find something that you like. Yeah. Yes, you certainly are. Um, now, the what's new, and I've only seen it once, is the Yvonne Reese Lounge. Yes, well, that's not that new. That's about uh, five years, uh, four or five years. It, uh, when Illinois changed their smoking law, banned uh, tobacco uh, smoking, and again, it uh, was Illinois, not Chicago, um, We uh, Kevin decided that we had, uh, I, I'm a, as you know, Brian, I, I'm a collector of odds and ends, and anything that doesn't move, I'll, I'll collect. <laughs> especially if I have, especially if I have the space to put it, and uh, we had a lot of s- spare space here on the second floor, and Kim decided all my junk needed to go. Well, junk to him, good stuff to me, and we <laughs> we built the cigar lounge, which did extremely well. And a couple years later, he took my second room of odds and ends and discarded most of them and built a second room. So uh, we have um, annual memberships, and, and it's all Wi-Fi. It's BYOB because of Illinois law, and um, very comfortable. And we have annual memberships as well as for tourists or people from out of town that don't have an opportunity to use it a lot. We have a day pass or uh, for those people, and it is open much later than the store. The store closed at 530 uh, the lounge stays open till a minimum of ten. Uh, rarely, bef- they rarely close before eleven or when anybody when they want to go home. So you you lost your favorite storage spaces. Yes, and you've seen my storage spaces. I remember climbing through it. It was like the back room of the Smithsonian. <laughs> They're gone. Um, real quickly, can you tell? Tell us what it was like being the president of the RTDA and president of the TAA and kind of what the duties are of the president. Well, the, the duties are, are like the president of any other uh, nonprofit organization. You have paid management, uh, and the duties of uh, the president is to um, uh, gather the opinions, etc., of the board of directors and, of course, course the membership and uh, get the executive director or the paid employees to uh, kind of do what you want them to do and to help and to guide them uh, and to offer assistance uh, to them in putting on the conventions etc which obviously are the backbone of our uh, the IPCPR or formerly RTDA is uh, obviously the backbone of our of our industry when it comes to conventions 
and the TAA has uh, been very good. It's a very small organization, uh, only about 65 retailers from the best in the country and about 35 manufacturers who were the best in the country. And the benefit of the, the big benefit of being a TAA member is that you get special buying opportunities on select items that are only available for TAA members. That's only, in my opinion, uh, a lot of people will tell you that. I would disagree with that. I would say the, uh, obviously it's a major benefit, uh, but the benefit of the TAA is that because it is a small group and we are selective, um, especially when it comes to, well, it comes to both retailers and vendors, that you have an opportunity, the retailers have an opportunity to get to know the vendors and only the heads of the companies show up. People you would not have an opportunity to talk to at the RTDA because of the tremendous time factor that involved. It also gives the 63 retailers plenty of opportunity to get together informally and exchange ideas and, hey, what are you doing that works? What am I doing that works? And uh, and it helps us all grow. That, to me, is important as the exclusive merchandise. And we'll, uh, we'll finish this up with one last part, which is uh, you also sell a few cigars. Uh, we do sell a few cigars. Uh, again, like in the pipe tobacco, we have uh, several of our own house brands, but we uh, sell virtually... Not everything, but but very close to it. We have probably um, 50 or 60, maybe more, brands, and obviously each one of them in a variety of colors and sizes, etc. And a lot of our pipes and cigars, we allow our customers to do things that other companies don't do. We allow them to actually self-service, to touch and feel, etc., and you've got uh, quite a selection that's also, I mean, all the cigars are available online as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we also sell single cigars online, which most places don't do. And we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. There's no right answer, no wrong answer. Whatever happens to come to your mind. Are you ready? Go. What's your favorite pipe? I have to say a Dunhill. And what's your favorite tobacco? Three-star blue. <laughs> that was an easy one. Yeah. What's your favorite drink? Scotch. And when it's time to relax, which I don't think you ever really do, uh, do you prefer a book, a movie, or some music? Um, music. And last but not least, uh, any particular favorite pipe-smoking memory? Uh, there's too many of them. So we'll just say all of them? All of them. There you go. All right. So once again, if you're going to Chicago and you've got extra time for the pipe show, Yvonne Reese and Company, downtown 19 South Wabash, uh, open uh, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 530. So if you get a chance to stop in there or the website is com. And uh, you'll also have a hospitality suite on the top floor of the tower on uh, Friday night? Thursday and Friday. Thursday and Friday, and probably five or six or seven tables 
full of pipes and tobaccos and all kinds of goodies at the pipe show itself. Very good. And if you want to meet Chuck in person, stop by his table and say hi. He's the one that has a uh, striking resemblance to Billy Crystal. Oh, God, I wish. (laughs) Chuck, thanks for everything. Brian, thank you for everything. We'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. (laughs) Just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Mm-hmm. Hey! Sutliff Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malto Dolce blend in public. Welcome back. You know, between listening to uh, Chuck talk about Chicago and uh, her Italian accent, I'm ready for deep dish pizza got to make the pilgrimage to get at least one or two meals full of Chicago pizza. Uh, The other thing it reminded me of, Brad Weinfeld, born into the business, took over a family business. Chuck Levy, born into the business, took over a family business. I mean, that's about a hundred and something years worth of history right there between just the past two guests on the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, so for music tonight, we're going back to the blues, and we're going back to a dedicated pipe smoker by the name of Ron Carter. Ron plays bass, and the song that I found is, uh, I think it's probably perfect for the season. It's called Spring Can Really Hang You Up the Most, and it's Houston Person and Ron Carter, Houston on sax, Ron Carter on bass, And it's springtime blues, so here we go.
name is Ron Carter. He is a bass player and a pipe smoker. Look him up on the internet. You'll find a whole bunch of stuff that he's done. That one I just picked out because it is springtime. Master, I have mail for you. We'll check in on iTunes first. Uh, recently, some reviews from one from 010001. Excellent show to listen to while smoking, driving, or just doing anything. Love the Fast Five. And uh, TLAG77 writes, Hey there, gentlemen. Absolutely love listening to this podcast. I don't have any pipe-smoking friends, per se, so to have this to listen to has been awesome. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Happy trails, Tim from Michigan. Thank you. We do appreciate those uh, feedbacks and ratings and reviews on iTunes. That really does help out the show. On Facebook, got a message from Ron Bosley. Ron writes, Hey, Brian, your free show can cost a guy some money. I've been listening since week one. Because of your show, I'm now an NASPC member, purchased and tried several new tobaccos, and added a few pipes to my collection. Your show is my pipe club. Keep up the great work. Ron, thank you very much. Hope your budget does okay. Along the same line, Monty55 uh, contacted Joe Nelson and bought his first Joe Nelson pipe, and it's an interesting little shape. And apparently there's been a few of you that have reached out to Joe since he was on the show and bought, your, bought yourself an old Nelly pipe. And recently, a couple of new listeners, uh, TexMacEd, T-X-M-A-C-E-D, longtime hobbyist that found the show a couple of weeks ago. Great, I look forward to catching up on the episodes. And uh, Bubblehead Diver, listen to it on my way to work, smoking my pipe most mornings. So you guys got a few uh, few shows to get caught up on. And again, every episode is still available both through uh, all the podcast servers and directly on PipesMagazine.com. So if you want to go back and refresh on a couple of episodes feel free. They're all sitting right there for you, and that's uh, part of what the show sponsors and the site sponsors do for you. Uh, there was also a thread going around called A Show for Us Beginners, and uh, member Donatello wrote, Hello, I'm really enjoy, I really enjoyed listening to your radio show, and I was wondering if you could do a show for us beginners to teach us how to smoke a pipe without getting tongue bite and burn. Maybe proper puffing cadence or how to know if it is a chemical reaction to certain tobaccos. Anyway, the thread goes on back and forth for a while, and there's some fun stuff in there, and there's some advice in there. Uh, my advice to you, Donatello, is listen to every episode. Take notes. There's a few things that I talk about that are my pipe-smoking styles, and you'll hear some other people talk about their styles. Try everything and see what works for you. Just keep trying until you hit that magic combination of the right kind of tobacco and the right way to smoke it for you. That is, uh, that's what I did. And that's what works for most people. Uh, regarding last week's show with Brad, John Seiler wrote in, uh, jumbo as in full of baloney. Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, glad to see you are working hard, but still feeding yourself well. Sounds like fun in Raleigh. Brad Weinfeld, very interesting history in the pipe field. Very interesting was the figures on bulk tobacco. I'll have to look for a roller's choice next week at the local B&M. Uh, 
John said, Archie Bunker, it's been a long time since I've heard from that sphere. Of course, Meathead was one of the biggest anti-smoker proponents and had an impact on the laws in existence today. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Rob Reiner kind of started the ball rolling on uh, It's for the Children. Uh, Casey Ghost goes on to write, Another fine show. The Brad Weinfeld interview was quite good. His reflections on the history of Hulk O'Roar was quite interesting. The Archie Bunker skit was classic stuff. The lefties used that skit as proof of their intellectual superiority over the masses. Uh, he suspects the reason behind me not getting a uh, not being able to reserve a smoking room is not that corporations are dumb. You don't have as much success as they do in separating us from our money and be dumb. Yeah, you're right. All right, so maybe the. Anyway, maybe I'm just not a big-time gambler, and they don't care. All right, got any comments, post them in the forums, leave them on the uh, show page, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and in just a minute, rant time. This is Internet Radio. Eck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. percent of the population deals with the same problem that I deal with all the time. I'm left-handed. It's not my fault. I was born this way. The world, however, is right-handed. Let me give you some simple examples. I've enclosed on this show a picture of our office microwave and coffee maker. The microwave, the button to open the door, is on the right-hand side. The door opens and swings out to the left. I'm left-handed. I want to hit the button with my left hand. i got to stand off to the side or use my less, uh, my less dexterous hand, my right hand, to push the button and get the thing out. The coffee maker, when I'm filling it with coffee or filling it with water, all those lids hinge on the left and open up. 
my desk phone here at work. The buttons are on the right side. The receiver is on the left side. The intention is you pick up the receiver with your left hand, dial with your right hand. If I'm dialing with my right hand, I feel sorry for whatever number I happen to accidentally dial, and I hope they don't charge me $3.99 a minute. I'm left-handed. The world is right-handed. Your simple wristwatches that you own and uh, that you have on your wrist right now, they're all right-handed. Why do I say that? Because primarily the crown or what adjusts the time is on the right side of the watch. For me as a left-hander, I have to take the watch off to reach around and set the time or set the date. I'm left-handed. The world is right-handed. On top of that, right-handed people have or left-handed people have a shorter lifespan it has been proven primarily due to the fact that we are left-handed and operate in a right-hand world so therefore we have more accidents uh the other nice thing is we're more susceptible to mental disease in fact there was one report that showed that a full 20 percent of schizophrenics are left-handed how many of us pipe smokers are left-handed? I'd be willing to bet that it's around 20% because we're in our right mind. There's your rant for this week. There's the show for this week. Hey, next week, completely pre-recorded, but it'll be on Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Hope to see everybody in Chicago. Don't forget, also, we are changing the uh, iTunes classification, so if you download the show from iTunes... Make sure that will be changing on uh, May 8th, on the May 8th show. So, thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Of course, I don't have my underwear. I'm definitely not wearing my underwear. It's not my underwear. <laughs>